When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. White Sox fans, you're not going to believe it. Yet again, we're having one of our super fun time, happy time. Oh, and believe me, given the circumstances of this recording, real happy time podcast. It's Southside Sox podcast number 93 here with one of our very newest uh, writers and contributors. It's Matt. You may know him. He's an optimistic guy. You may know him as Optimist Sox. Very popular Twitter, White Sox Twitter figure. <laughs> hey, guess what? We pulled him in like we pull them all in to Southside Sox. He's in our clutches now. And he is especially stoked because as of this recording, oh my goodness, somehow, somehow grabbing victory from the jaws of death, the Illinois Fighting Illini lived to see the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Congratulations, Finals. Matt. Hey, I really appreciate it, man. Final score, if my memory serves me, was 18 to 17, <laughs> I want to say. A real that game uh, was slug what, fest. That game was what at the free throw line? My it was crazy God. when they had to actually take the broken peach basket down and hammer the other one up. That was weird. I hadn't seen that in the NCAA tournament in quite some time. Let me let me tell you, there was a point in that second half where we were down quite a bit where I said, if this is the last game, I think I might be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it's been there. It, it just... Just, I'm ready for the White Sox, man. I'm ready to turn my concentration um, to you and the site. Hmm. Uh, well, um, Matt and listeners and readers and occasional viewers, uh, welcome back to Southside Sox Talks Basketball. Okay, let's just squeeze one more in. My team hasn't tipped off yet, but got to represent the Horn Frog. So, yes, it is. Oh, Bolo tie. Okay. Spit and blood. Spitting blood like those horn toads, like those horn toads do. So, you know, Matt, I don't really care, but yeah, I figure as long as we're, you know, we're gonna we, we're gonna be talking some Illinois basketball, might sure. as well represent, right? So, I'm I'm trying to think of famous TCU alum. There's guy, I mean, I Ladanian Thompson off the top of my head, but for baseball, <laughs> basketball, there's got to be some. Uh, Matt, aside from me, okay. Yeah. Well, let's okay. think about somebody Pardon. else. Um. Uh, oh, uh, Kurt Thomas, he played for a long time in the NBA. He went to TCU. Oh, yeah. No, he played about uh, 45 years, I think, in the NBA. <laughs> he did. He did. At one time, uh, you know, because in a prior life, I was a basketball journalist, Matt. I did actually, oh, one time, knowing I was going to speak with him in the locker room, did actually pry the Horn Frog class ring with the actual yes, with the Horn Frog. You know, you got to buy the jewelry if it's got something this dumb on it. Uh, flashed it to him. Got some props. I don't know why. Okay, he he gave he gave you he gave you a fist bump or something. Oh, like he, that? oh yeah. He gave, come on, what what clown is going to walk into? <laughs> it would have been hey, it would have been terrific. Out, man. Yeah, it would have yeah. been terrific. He was like, yeah, good stuff, man, and kept yeah. it moving. <laughs> oh, I've got many of those, but yes, not specifically. Yes, I, I think he must have figured if the guy's going to bother to dig out the ring. All right, yes, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll play along. Love. Yes, yeah. I'll play along. Anyway, oh, haven't even tipped off yet. Who knows what's going to happen. Who really cares? But anyway, good excuse to pull out the bolo tie for the first time on a Southside Sox podcast. So, hell hey, yeah, it's a debut. I'm, I I feel so damn lucky it was on me, man. No, no kidding, no kidding. Okay, well, we will sag reluctantly without even a commercial break. We will 
we will sag from Southside Sacks Talks college basketball, uh, which will surely disappoint the approximately 45 staff members who are somehow affiliated, if not alums, of the University of Illinois. Okay, we'll just put a pin on it. We'll, 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 uh, podcast number 95, we'll talk about, you know, more. Make sure I'm on that one, yeah. Okay, but absolutely, absolutely, only fair. But at least the first half of this, Matt, we're going to talk a little bit about you. Uh, as always, running uh, concurrent with this podcast is uh, Matt's podcast, Matt's post, uh, Meet the Players. Um, so, you know, pause as you're listening, focus and read it, uh, read it later, do both at the same time, whatever you need to do, but you'll learn probably a little bit more about them that maybe we won't get to here in our in our chat, but check that out. It's up at the same time. Hey, it's it's optimistic, Matt on Southside Sox Day. Uh, uh, Saturday, all day. It's all Matt. All right. Uh, I'll make sure, I'll, you know what, you know my dad's a, a reader, but I'll make sure he puts in a few extra clicks on that day. You know? Sweet. Yes, as you pointed out, big with the boobers. Boomers, we <laughs> love you. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I think they're the only ones watching baseball anymore, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Ah, yeah, his, his, well, you know, let's just go down with the shift if it's going down, Matt. Okay, let's talk first. How in the world did you become a competitive from T-ball into college shortstop when you come from Ron Kittle left field um, um, slugging steelworker territory. What's going on with that? Wow. Ron Kittle is, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. I, I went to high school with his boy. Me and he, he and I uh, graduated in the same class, 07. Weirdly enough, I think he's out here in California too. We don't talk. But, uh, back. <laughs> well, well I, apparently the reason you got pushed to shortstop is because he was roaming left field. Okay, I got it. You answered the question. I got it. Actually, that kid, that kid weirdly enough, he was like, um, he was uh, 90 pounds soaking wet and Ron Kittle was uh, juiced maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, but uh, He's a big guy, but yeah, his son, not so much. Good golfer, though, from what I understand. But uh, yeah, so Northwest Indiana baseball, you know, there was some talent there. I, I played with a couple guys that got drafted um, and went nowhere as, uh, you know, 40-round draft picks or whatnot. Yeah. But I was going to say, was how, how did you manage to be from Indiana and not somehow fall into the web of White Sox scouting, given the fact that approximately 30 to 40% of their total draft choices seem to come oddly enough from indiana uh oh, pretty you know pretty interesting no i mean it just seems strange that it's not even illinois it's just man they always hit they've got some really good regional scouts i guess covering indiana indiana because it's like every year and sometimes fairly high you know jonathan steve or uh logan sour you know royce ring royce that oh guy? My god going back to royce <laughs> ring all right hey listen well, wait do you do you remember what where what, what school he was drafted out of i do not in indiana school from a town that uh, a fun another fun fact i used to play in a band in college and we had a no muncie indiana rule ball state university ball state okay all there right well the white Sox touch them all <sighs> uh okay yeah, yeah so we in, got indiana baseball i mean northwest indiana is did totally different from the rest of the state That's um true. i mean it's in a different time zone we're chicagoland by and large so That's true yeah i mean a lot of players have come to the region please act Minea. A uh, handful of other region guys, uh, Mike Brousseau with Tampa Bay. So there, I mean, there was there was some real talent there for sure, just as there is with basketball too. It's corn-fed boys, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And Colson Montgomery comes from the Arkansas uh, region of uh, Indiana, I believe. Uh, you know, I don't know anything about the Arkansas region of Indiana. Well, yeah, that's, that's got to be in the Eastern Time Zone part of Indiana. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you you spoke of it. Um, 
punk. We have a lot of music roots here in South. Of course, we have roots everything because we have about 800 people on staff. So it's not like a mm-hmm. shocker. But including, you know, given given the punk connection, I mean, the the, the dearly departed uh, uh, Rob Lomowski had just joined up with us when, you know, unfortunately he was taken uh, very young. But, you know, uh, Chicago area, uh, defoliants, uh, buzz muscle. So we do we do. We've got a little bit of punk okay. credibility on the side as well. So right now, no longer really playing a lot of shortstop more likely to be taken in, say, a punk show. Well, you know what? Um, I should say I am, I am juicing the lemon as it relates to the last bit of health that it's left in my knees and my back. I play in a, a Latino Sunday men's baseball league in South L.A. Now, you may be saying, Matt, you don't look Latino at all. And that is true. <laughs> it was, it was uh, a total mistake that I was even on this team. Oh. Um, I was connected on a, on a group text with somebody, and, and he mentioned that he played in a baseball league. And I said, hey, man, I, I love play. that. I would mm-hmm. love to come on down. I got a cup and everything. So <laughs> I, go, I, go, I go down there, and we see each other, and we realize that neither of us know who each other are. So they throw me in in, like, the fifth <laughs> inning or something, and second base is just like a defensive, just like, do what, do what you can do, buddy. Right. I did what I can do. Nice! And that, that was years ago, and I'm still on the Northeast L.A. dirtbags, yeah, although roaming, roaming left field these days, like, oh, a okay. Scott, like, a Scotty, like a Scotty Pods. Okay. All right. As long as you're flashing the socks. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but the, the, yeah the, you're right about the punk shows. Um, L.A. Um, you know, was a breeding ground for its own brand of punk in the in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, I get into that quite a bit, but I get in the Midwest stuff too. Shit, get in the East Coast stuff as well. Can I curse on this, by the way? You can do whatever you want on this. Okay, Absolutely. I meant to ask that earlier. Cool. Oh, well, uh, you know, it's always fun to just spring it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it just comes out sometimes. Damn, sure. and it happens in the age of Zoom. I uh, anytime I get on with my boss, it will occur to me about fifteen seconds afterward. It's just like, did I just say fuck? <laughs> too anyway. late <laughs> too late yeah uh, you know but uh yeah so so playing music i put out records uh solo records i play drums with some other outfits um you can catch us in some closet in a in the back of like a convenience store or something like that I play mostly diy gigs but yeah still still doing baseball as much as i can man mm. i still got the old louisville slugger over here nice Nice. Uh, and, and representing all ethnicities, which is, which is, which is what no, we're absolutely all about. We're not. No, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, I cannot step in on anybody else's ethnicity. I am the most boring one and that's Caucasian. <laughs> and left field also sort of boring, but Hey man. Kind of boring. Maybe where you put the guy who sucks, who's 33 and maybe like way over the hill. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, okay. The, um, I think, uh, again, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not going to pretend I do. Um, but I believe first memory uh, listed has to do with a trade and not mm-hmm. an actual play or game. Before I let you explain why in the world that's what's listed, I'll just point out the fact, aside from the fact that it's just wonderful, it's always wonderful to shoplift from your crosstown rivals. It's particularly interesting that you would bail on your first round pick before a year was even up in a deal like that. Uh, so I could see why it might be a, yeah, you know, I could see why it might be a, uh, a highlight, but uh, please to explain. It's, you know, it's interesting you say that because Minnesota just depart, just yeah. traded their most recent first round pick for a better uh, name than the one we're about to bring up. But uh, 
damn, Sonny Gray? Really? You're going to, you must really not have gotten a good scout on that first round pick, huh? Anyway, we're, yeah, we're talking about 1997, 96, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Late. We're talking about um, a little swap between the North Siders and South Siders. That would be Matt Karchner going from the White Sox to the Cubs for one John Garland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is my first White Sox memory. And I, I will say, so I'll just go ahead. You, you were a big agate, agate type uh, fan when you were a kid. I was, I was at eight years old. I loved middle relievers. Yeah. No, I, um, I, Turk Wendell was my guy. No, I, uh, well, so my grandmother, uh, Lorraine Gollenbeck, I actually have a plant right there that's named after Lorraine hey. Gollenbeck. Hello. Um, hey. she was a huge, huge, huge Cubs fan and she lived with us at the end of her life. And that was, I mean, I was really little at that point, um, eight, nine years old. So she watched the Cubs every afternoon. They would typically be on in the afternoon and I would always watch them with her. And frankly, like at that age, I don't know if I really quite understood what um, meant to be a fan. I just, you know, watched them and enjoyed baseball. And I I knew the Cubs like the back of my hand. I could really go through those mid nineties rosters. Like (laughs) it's my job, like Mel Rojas and shit. Kurt (laughs) or Kent, Kent Bottenfield. Pardon me. Oh, Bottenfield, Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, I do remember Karchner going to the White Sox and straight up, I didn't even know really the White Sox existed. All I really knew was Cubs games and my grandma watching them. And maybe I was a little too young to really do much other than throw the ball off the garage and field it. Um, but I remember thinking like, wait, there's another Chicago team. And then around that same time, my dad had a steel mill injury and he was in the hospital and he was a Cubs fan too. It had been for most of his life. And this was the mid-90s Cubs. I mean, these were brutal, brutal Cubs teams. These were terrible before Kerry Wood showed up, obviously. Yeah. So they were terrible. And in the hospital, my dad, who runs a bit of a temper, um, would get a little bit too worked up watching these Cubs games and straight up the nurses stopped letting him watch <laughs> Cubs games. So he started watching White Sox games. And pretty soon, he started getting into the White Sox a little bit more. They pissed him off a lot less than the Cubs did. <laughs> He's got a son who's, you know, seven years old trying to, you know, find his first bits of fandom. The White Sox are a much more accessible park, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, financially and in terms of like our geography. Yeah, so, right. yeah, my first White Sox game that I ever saw, I think it was 99. It was Kip Wells on the hill. Mm. And I was hooked ever since I went to. Oh, and the other thing was we lived in pretty close proximity to South Bend. And that was back when the Silverhawks were the A affiliate. So I must have saw 50 Silverhawks games before I ever saw a White oh, wow. Sox game. So a lot of those guys that came up in the system, yeah. not many not many dudes from A-ball made it all the way up. Right. But uh, every every now and then they did. Yeah. So it was cool It was cool to sort of follow them through the ranks. And I, all that added up to, yeah, just um, around that age, maybe coming a huge White Sox fan. So are you coming from like close to or completely like a 100% Cubs family then is there is there any split there because it seems clearly between grandma and your dad you, you were heading in one direction for sure everybody was cubs yeah but then when my dad flipped um and i think he just that was that was around the time with where, when the kids could play so this would have been 96 so a couple of years later they still were toting around some random dudes uh in 96 but by 98 they were a pretty exciting team um so i think he just really got into it too and i was the perfect age for it but you're right my mother, my sister, my grandma, who passed not long after that, but the family was mostly Cubs fans. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't go easy on them at all. 
Yeah. And of course, then you would have, you've probably fielded the question like I do being born north of the city and how were you a White Sox fan from the jump? You would then have to get questions saying, hold on, wait, you're, I mean, not exactly claimed territory, but I mean, that's pretty far south side. And yet your Cubs fans had the family relocated from an area that would have been more friendly to Wrigley or somehow did you just like the uh, afternoon baseball I think it must have been, um, yeah, my grandmother watched them in the afternoons. And, every, and my grandma was really a matriarch of that family. Like uh, my brothers, and, I had a lot of brothers and sisters. All of them really loved her. So, yeah, I think just by, by virtue of like her, uh, her, her sharing the experience with us, we became Cubs fans. And it's a sweet reason to be a Cubs fan for sure. But let me be very clear. Screw the Cubs. <laughs> right behind you there and no irreverence intended to the matriarch whatsoever let's just make this clear that the john garland matt carpenter trade didn't actually kill her <laughs> well <laughs> no, yeah i would i would you know what i don't know right off the top of my head how carpenter did with the cubs i imagine he was around a four era guy as he was and you think if he if he didn't really uh hit the ground running as they saw what was happening with the guy they got rid of, they probably wanted to sweep him away pretty quickly. Sort of the opposite of the Rick Hahn effect, which is, well, I'm just going to double and triple and quadruple down on this guy because I can't really admit that uh, things yeah. didn't work out. Uh, hey, speak, but really, speaking, of, speaking of Garland, maybe maybe you'll remember this, but I was watching uh, Big Frank highlights the other night while I was <clears throat> stoned on my couch. Um, and sure there were some highlights. Do. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, he was playing for the A's at this point and it was a game against, yeah, it was the A's. It wasn't the Jays. Um, a game against the Sox at Comiskey and John Garland was pitching and he hit two dingers off Garland. And maybe it was discussed at the time. Maybe we need to go back and look at this. John Garland threw him two batting practice belt high fastballs and Frank parked them both. And I gotta say, that look, I, Garland looked like he didn't even rear back. It looked like he lobbed it up there. Man, I'm not going to lie to you. I was at that game. and we Oh, were giving, my God, really? We were giving Frank the standing O. By the second homer, there were few people, fewer people giving the standing O. And I was like, well, time out. First of all, we ran, you know, we sort of ran this guy out of town. He obviously can still swing some lumber. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, um, Watch the replays of those, man. It's, it uh, looks a little, a little, a little suspicious to me, yeah. but I appreciate it. Yeah. The goal. Yeah. Well, you know, golden, the golden parachute can, can be delivered. Uh, clearly he did not get one from the White Sox, even that Kenny Williams, I think actually, you know, drove him right. to the airport and just sort of pushed him, uh, pushed him out. But uh, yeah, funny you bring that game. I was wondering if that was the game you're going to bring up. Yes. Yeah. Have they repaired their relationship, Frank and Kenny? I would imagine so. Right. I think it's, I do think it's better. I mean, he is around the team now, obviously when, you right. know, <laughs> when you need somebody to lay on a couch or, or take up an entire couch. I'll say this about call. Frank. I'll say this about Frank. He has really improved uh, like on screen over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. I got no problem with Frank. And it, you know what? Yeah. Last year's sort of uh what was like stone out or something. There was like a long streak where we were getting a bunch of random dudes on the telecast. Um, and that was kind of like a fun little ringer to go through. Uh, Gordon was sort of fun. Did who else came by? Gordon got AJ probably time. came by. Well, he was doing play. I think he's so affiliated with um, Fox now. Fox, maybe maybe yeah. he didn't, but you know, he did broadcast the playoffs, which was uh, very notable because he seemed yeah. to really hate his former team. But uh, yeah, there were there there were a, a number of uh, and none of them, I don't think, last year were Bill Walton. So you know, we won't we'll get, we'll have to wait another year for that. Or wait, I, I, you're pro, you're pro Walton, right? Oh, that was 
uh, unbelievable. That was extraordinary. I don't and, get people that don't like Bill Walton. He's so funny. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's 20% more than he needs to. I get it that he's going to, he's yeah, really yeah. leaning into it, but yeah, really, this, this is Benetti, the one thing Benetti's, we're going to pick on. Benetti's the perfect guy to wrangle him like back to the center too. We're close. We're just back. Yeah, as much as, as much as he can. As much. It's like, it's yeah. like throwing a lasso around a tornado probably. Yeah, if it was weekly, okay. It might get a little rough. Uh, but yeah, once a year, I, I think, I mean, we, we put up with the latter, whatever, five years of the Hawk Carrollson experience. So I think we can handle a game a year of Bill Walton, especially given there's, you know, some really awesome rapport with him and Jason going back to, you know, basketball as well. So come on. Come on yeah, of course. All about of course. It. Hey, lasso around a tornado. Those are the types of metaphors you can now expect in, in your weekly recaps from oh, Sox Optimist on the site. You ready for absolutely that? Absolutely. Cannot wait. These are the things, these are the things I stay up nights waiting for because we just want some true exciting, order. Yeah. Some fun, uh, some feistiness. And yes, I, I, I now know that I have invited the right uh, fella in for this sort of thing. Uh, okay, what else we got to cover about you? Okay, kids can play. I think you've sort of explained that's the uh, the natural entree. Um, I'll give you a I was just, Yeah, I was, just, I was just the right age, man. They fell on my lap at the right age. And that team was real fun. Yeah, I'll give you a quick story. Oh, I'll also tell you that one of the first things I ever did, I actually got invited to start doing my White Sox writing in 2005 of all time. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty wow. good time in there. Uh, but I think my first piece, my first piece was about the Beatles, actually, go figure, you know, mm-hmm. they really hit it. Uh, second piece, I think, first player piece was uh, John Garland calling uh, him while he's having dinner with his mother. So he managed oh. to make time. And I got some. How did he, from, was, was he, was from, he, was he, was he gracious enough on the call? Oh, yeah. Come, yeah. Come on. He cool. was going to be like the cover story. Jeez. Come on. Sure. Yeah. yeah. He's still young enough. He wasn't that, you know, he wasn't jaded enough yet i guess first round he kind of had body there. he kind of had you know and i don't like to be body language guy but he had kind of had body language where he's like i just want to get the fuck back in the clubhouse asap <laughs> yeah oh yeah i don't think yeah we didn't we didn't he didn't linger no he didn't linger uh yeah. let's see uh kids can play i'll tell you this my uh my still favorite um sports job i did was uh editing basketball digest and bowling digest that that part wasn't really the favorite but basketball digest grew up reading it as a kid, you know, it was in Evanston, uh, got that job right around October, 2000. So I did have to go in after taking the job and say, well, thank you. I'm really thrilled to be doing this, but I have to tell you, I need Monday off. Right? I need my first day off because uh, I'm going to the White Sox playoff game. And this is to a Cubs boss. Wow. So, uh, wow. Um, yeah, you know, brash, bold, but you know, you've got, you got to set boundaries right off the bat. And, and so I did. And also, for some reason, I want to say Jerry Manuel was, I, I think he was off on beer, but I think he, he had a beard at the time. It was maybe he was, it was like a, there was some kind of thing going, like there was a playoff beard thing, like a little hockey thing or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually did attempt to do that. Maybe I can find the picture. Who knows? Maybe it'll get thrown into this. Um, of course, I don't really, I don't really grow thick. I see so a really, shadow there. I think it, it, okay. basically it was. You could do mustache. You could absolutely do mustache. The problem was, you know, uh, in and out so quick, I got to tell you. Um, didn't really, didn't, yeah, never had a chance. <laughs> All right. I, well, when I covered the Blackhawks and they won a Stanley Cup, uh, oh, yeah, God, it was like maybe actually uh, legitimate sure, beer. Yeah, but of course, that's thing, like yeah. eight months of, uh, you know, eight months of playoffs. So, yes, I had, you know, it maybe actually was getting into the ZZ, 
category. But yeah, the White Sox and Manuel and getting uh, run out of those playoffs in, in 2000, which I'm sure was crushing, crushing, crushing for a young fan. Uh, but I yeah, have didn't... very distinct memories of that series for sure. You remember Kelly Wunsch taking a liner off the belly? I think it was game <laughs> three. He came in in game three and it was a pretty close game. I think that's when Baldwin, <laughs> I think that's when Baldwin shoved and it was like a one nothing game or something. Yeah. And Kelly Wunsch was in a high pressure situation yeah line drive right <laughs> off his belly I, I don't know if it was sun times or what the next day but the 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 picture on the front page was like Kelly Wunsch doing like an o face as the ball <laughs> hit him in the stomach yeah well <laughs> when you're swept that's that's the treatment you get even from the from the local press um we have actually written uh pieces or at least a piece uh backing Nancy Faust and for her to get a uh, an actual statue. She, of course, is Hell far yeah. too gracious, far too humble to to act like she's anything but pleased about having a little plaque close to where the organ is now. Uh, but, and I don't know what the dynamic is there with the White Sox. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily the best dynamic. I think. No I, way. I don't get the feeling maybe that she wanted to not be doing this anymore. So I don't know. Okay, why I understand. But it, it, that. Okay, I listen. Uh, Nancy deserves a red carpet anytime she's around that stadium, in my opinion. Have you ever met her? I uh, have met her and I have spoken to her at length. I've actually tried to go to her into doing a, even a regular podcast with us, which again, she is too humble to do. So, and she always says, why does anyone want to hear my stories? And then I oh, say, and then I spent an hour telling her why you no idea. we would want to hear her stories. Exactly. I, I had a brief uh, back and forth with her in the DMs <laughs> with Nancy Foss. <laughs> and uh, she, I, I mean, what you're saying totally jives with the experience that I had. It was just like, this might be the nicest lady on the planet. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have endorsed that. Uh, uh, Laura Jansen wrote that for us. She's in our. She's been elected to our White Sox Hall of Fame, the Southside Sox White Sox Hall of Fame. I think in at least two different categories already. Uh, obviously, I mean, is there a more beloved you know figure associated with the White Sox? And it maybe it speaks to the fact that they're not you know exactly the Yankees with with all their triumphs, but it also speaks to what an extraordinary person she is and just uh, uh, sweet as can be every time before uh, games when I was on the beat covering. And even, a, even as a fan, you know, you could stick your head in there. It's not like there was some sort of restricted uh, access, but yeah, I would always, I'd always ask for, uh, I'd ask for some safety dance. I needed to hear it, you know, which would probably <laughs> would have been my walk-up song if I had actually made it all the way up. But, uh, and, you know, it got to the point where when then I wouldn't even have to come by, she would just see me roaming the concourse before a game, like with my helmet nachos or whatever, just trying to desperately snarf a little bit of food before even, the eight-hour odyssey, and she'd just start playing it. So, Even a passing rapport with Nancy Faust is something that I'm extremely jealous over. Hey, you, you brought up, real quick, though, you brought up PA music. And I got to yes. say, because I think we might have overlapping music tastes okay. a little bit. We could talk Beatles if you want. For okay. sure. um, the the Lido Shuffle Geo little stinger that they're playing every strikeout of, of Lucas's at the ballpark. Have you noticed that? I have. Who's, is that Lucas's idea? Is that like a marketing idea? Because I'm in love with it. I'm over the moon with it. Yeah, that's like that's, one of my that's one of my main karaoke songs. You think that with players taking more ownership of this, if I had to guess, I would say it is him. Listen, you're you're, a, you're a, I was about to say you're a man of influence. You can get in there. You can find some answers. I I would really love to know, Brett, if we could get Lucas to confirm that because it would really it would make my day. Okay, I, 
note this as as we're about ready to take a break. I'm taking the notebook off. I'm making a note. Let's figure out what is going on with that because <laughs> with inquiring Boz minds, yeah. inquiring minds want to know. And it, listen, it fits his profile. It fits him and his parents' profile. And if and if mm-hmm. like many parents, you know, do if they had any influence on him growing up, and he was probably just buried in. A baseball and baseball glove anyhow so that's right uh, rick signs are rick. pointing signs are pointing to signs point to yes on that but rick if you're if you're if you're watching this rick did you have any boss gas records spinning in the home growing up i bet yes. you did i think we figured it out and is it whiskey or bourbon that you're drinking as you're listening right now because it oh, seems man. like it always is sounds so, like it sounds like a real cool family <laughs> <laughs> yes it does artist act oh yeah okay well that's a whole different podcast and we'll probably have that podcast and we'll talk about it but you know what as you're still dealing with some of your panic sweat from the Illini game let's take a brief pause allow SB Nation because lord knows we owe it to them let's let SB Nation sell our dear listeners some product let's give them a minute to do that yeah all right I'm gonna let them do that SB Nation have at it we're going to give them a minute and we'll be right back. Second half of this podcast, we'll be discussing Beatles, punk, or, or maybe just the White Sox. We'll see. Uh, we don't want to lose you faithful, faithful Boomer White Sox fans listening. Uh, so trust me, come on back. We will be talking some White Sox. See you in a minute. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here. Lucky to be hosting yet another one of these. Oh my gosh. The family favorites, their site favorites, their life favorites, the White Sox Twitter favorites. Meet the Players Podcast. I'm here with Matt. He's on Optimistic Sort, Optimist Socks on Twitter, if you're into that sort of thing. And if you're not, guess what? You're still going to have to deal with him and his optimism. Oh, maybe some of his grizzliness, because guess what? At least once a week, we already know what he's doing. A lot of times I invite people in there like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I just like, you know, I watch the games. Hey, this man's got a plan already. He's going to be our... Weekly columnist again. Uh, we'll talk. Maybe uh, we're going to run out of time, so that's not going to happen. But but um, if we were talking about what coverage we're going to have this year, it's going to be expanded. It's going to be playoff level coverage all season long. Yeah, deal with that, people. Uh, and one of those things is going to be what we're calling like a next day column. It could probably be written out of uh, the result of a game. Might be speaking to the prior game or. In Matt's case, it might be a little bit more of a rundown of a series or a rundown of like a whole week. Uh, He's publishing, oh, top of the week. You're going to get a strong dose of optimism at the top of the week, along with your brunch. You sit down and read just over brunch. Uh, An optimistic take. (laughs) I'm the Chicago White Sox. Yes, he's going to be doing our Sunday next day column. And who knows, maybe more. I'll be trying to persuade him to do two, three, four, five, seven a week. Uh, You know, whatever it is, I will see what he can take. Uh, But yes, that is... uh, that is the main assignment, at least so far, right off the bat. We are welcoming with this podcast, Matt, to our site, Southside Sox. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And uh, hey, Matt, let's let's talk about the White Sox. What do you think? Let's do it, man. Well, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, just to briefly um, recap what you just said, I would like to do a little dose of optimism every week. And listen, my whole shtick has been, at least on Twitter, trying Dick. to... to well, I, the thing is, I, I joined in 2017, 2018. It was the thick of the rebuild, really. There wasn't, I mean, if you were watching the team at that point, um, you were sort of grasping, grasping at any sorts of, of um, you know, sticks of optimism that you can get your hands on. And it felt like a good idea at the time to do an optimistic Twitter account when you were losing 100 games a season. That's all. Yeah. felt like the right 
a time for me to drop in and just try to try to be a little positive because to tell you the truth, I was really enjoying the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super happy that we weren't going to toil in some weird, you know, very, very White Sox zone of 81 sure. and 81 for the next, you know, uh, however long another Robin Ventura era would be. So mm-hmm. I was really excited that we had sort of committed and steered the ship in the in a direction. Mm-hmm. Whether you thought we should have built around Sale and Quintana and Good Eaton and all all those pieces is one thing, but at least we were picking a direction. We weren't just gonna not do anything and, and wither away, which would have been very much like us. So I was at that moment I was feeling pretty optimistic about it all. But yeah, now it's wild. I mean, I I, I feel like I've I uh my the point of 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 that Twitter account has been lost a little bit or now there's optimism pretty much at every point in the lineup. And uh, it's funny because now all anybody wants to do is be very angry and upset and listen, I'm right there with you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just to, 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 to be very clear. I, the, the account is uh, an attempt to be an optimist, but I inherently yeah. fall probably somewhere short of that. So in as much as I'll be sharing optimism and it really, searching hard for the things to be optimistic about it might be uh tuesday's giveaway it might be an upcoming series in baltimore it might be all sorts of things that are unrelated to the product on the field but you know what i will try uh, as much as i can to keep it uh you know the product on the field and that would that would that would bode well for our season i think yes it would if, it, if that becomes easy to do oh my goodness it will be a rash of optimism that will sweep the site and we will we will pin it on you we will say you infected us all with the happiness that comes with not actually filling the right field hole for 10 or 15 years so yeah yeah so i mean oh, boy, hey, if I, we can pull it off then you know all the better don't, don't ask me how optimistic i am that we're about to fill that hole by the way <laughs> oh yeah i think that ship is uh crashed somewhere off the shore is uh, that the consensus that that we all kind of i mean you said when, when when will this be posted this weekend oh this is we're talking on saturday morning young oh, man oh pardon me pardon me saturday morning so, good morning oh right? yeah yeah it's uh, not even yeah, lunch sat- time yet if nothing happens by saturday which i expect nothing will um yeah perhaps the 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 tilt will have gone <laughs> in the in the in the favor of no they're not going to do anything are they uh, yeah you know, there's an optimistic take there. Some money is saved. <laughs> Save it up for a big splash at the trade deadline. I'll say, look, we've already, I've already corrupted you, Matt. Uh, apologies. Um, well, okay, let's start there. Um, the off season's been interesting. Obviously, it's been split into this weird um, two halves. Both sort of panicked. We had the we had the crazy rush, which sort of undermined the whole point of a lockout. But this crazy rush to sign uh, before December began, and, and the White Sox just sort of. Ooh, they did a very just slow gaze at it all. Perhaps Rick was watching in slow motion instead of regular motion or whatever, but you know, no, no jump there other than the Kendall Graveman move. Uh, since things have been opened back up, got to say not a lot to be terribly inspired. Certainly uh, nothing else, uh, maybe some redundancy uh, brought onto the team, which you, know, you can never have too many utility level second baseman map. But I mean, it's been an interesting off season. Uh, White Sox fans have, set their sights on real difference makers. Um, the rotation could use at least a modest different, uh, difference maker. Right field, <laughs> ad infinitum, uh, has needed Wide a difference open. maker for some time. 
Uh, but uh, your take on the offseason, do you see any logic in the lack of action? Uh, would you wish uh, resources are allocated differently? Or are you just optimistic and sunny about a team that was already a division winner and may have just as easy, an easy time of it in 2022? That's the other thing. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we don't have, like, a whole lot of experience in this perspective of a team that is clearly in its championship window. Um, and we're getting a real taste of how the organization will function when they're yeah. in, a, in, a, in a window of contention, which is to say, don't expect much. Yeah. You better have a lot of guys on great contracts, which we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, a million things had to have happened, but there was a Twitter prompt going around today where if the off season ended today, what, what grade would you give the front office? And I chose D and that's mm-hmm. only because they didn't let you choose F. Yeah. Um, I think Kendall Graben's great, although kind of, um, like you said, sort of um, maybe strange and redundant. I, I Listen, you can't yeah. have enough good arms, particularly when your rotation's this thin. Uh, and it's always good to have Lurie in a utility role and not a starting role. I think we all know that that's when he is, like, really his best. That's when he has some true value is, is moving around the field. So that's that's good that he moves into a utility role. Now, what's that second base? I mean, it totally depends, right? That this dude in his 30s has has kind of toggled between totally unplayable mm-hmm. and like fringe all star level. So I, I I just have no idea. The larger sample size last year suggested that he was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Hold up, we got a good backup. I'm not feeling totally brutally down about second base and as much as like today we saw Trevor's story was open to a position change I, I don't I don't know I don't know it, it is is Trevor's story away from Coors that much better than Josh Harrison for way less money I don't know and also how much money do we have probably not as much as everybody thinks we have apparently we have to ask Craig Kimball apparently we need permission from him and then we could spend some more money. Uh, funny that you mentioned this thing going around today about the grade. I want to say about a week ago, we did, um, I think we did our, our, our podcast uh, sort of talking about the three moves at that point that it made, including <laughs> who can forget double V's, Vince Velasquez, who's brought on for some reason and given a major league roster spot. Um, and I believe the can consensus. Put, can you put a pin in that? Put a pin in that. Oh, I do want to, I'd like try to understand why. Pinned. Okay. So, but go ahead. Um, Sorry. But I believe the consensus among four or five guests was, I believe, D, D minus, uh, let's call it D. D was the consensus if it was to end right now. Nothing more happened, which again, let's face it. I mean, I'm, I, I love Christmas. I love opening gifts on Christmas morning. I love seeing that big box. I don't even know if my name's on it, but hey, it could be. So I'm really excited. So I want to believe, but you know, I mean, look at me. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a bolo tie for you God's look sake. Terri- you look like you're ready. No, you look like you're ready to party, frankly. <laughs> and I'm ready to party too. So let's get it done. Let's, <laughs> Craig, let's get Craig <laughs> off the books and get it moving. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's say to that. Although uh, uh, pin and double V's uh, still is, uh, is there. Um, let's talk about Craig Kimbrell and the notion that, well, there's a lot of directions you can go with talking about Craig Kimbrell. You can get upset that he didn't perform well for the White Sox, but then you can also point out, as our colleague on Southside Sox had pointed out, the way Craig Kimbrell was used last year, particularly in a more aging arm back-to-back and sometimes even back-to-back-to-back is an asinine way to use Craig Kimbrell and certainly didn't help him any. Um, You can uh, ding the White Sox for deciding to pick up an option thinking 
it was too valuable to pass on, though it's way more money than the White Sox paid for virtually anybody in history. Imagine, imagine if we had that money right now, by the way. Yeah, and okay, and then we can even take in the direction of, yes, let's imagine if we had that money, we found a team somehow that would just take Craig Kimball. I guess we'd have to give him a really nice prospect to take $16 million in salary. I believe the new CBA does not have a floor salary floor so i don't know if it's a matter of teams having to get to a salary floor or not maybe not that, that i know of no sucks. um but i mean there's a lot of directions and and really i think a big one especially because you have to sort of do it evaluate the decision in conjunction with virtually the same money being denied uh carlos Rodon. yes i was going to bring that up like the, 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 the decisions and coordination are really difficult to comprehend and when you see that he took a two-year deal with a one one year opt out one year opt out which is crucial that's essentially a qualifying offer now granted it was what four million or so more than he would have gotten from the white Sox. if you're telling me there wouldn't have been a strong chance that uh uh, carlos Rodon would have taken the qualifying offer knowing what this weirdness of the market the weirdness of his situation where he was either a cy young winner which he was for two-thirds of the season or a guy who was sitting on the sidelines waiting for his arm to heal uh for a third of the season um it seems very clear he would have probably just continued to ride with the White Sox. And that's sort of beside the point, Matt, even if he hadn't, how do you not do the, the basic diligence of just, you make the offer. So you get the pick. We know the, the White pick. Sox don't do good with picks, pick. but you got to have it. <laughs> you just got, Oh my God. That's it's not a, legit. such a valuable asset to that pick. My goodness. All of it in coordination, really the math, um, it don't come out right. Brett, let me turn a light on. I'm, I'm falling into a cave here. Is that all right? Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll just uh, continue on by myself here. We are talking with uh, uh, Matt. He's Sox optimist. Uh, he is not being uh, required to be optimistic when doing his writing. Uh, it seems like he might want to naturally try to fall that way, but let's not pin him to that. It, you know what? He may even, tr- oh, he no. may go back and forth with the handle. He may go um, Sox pessimism. If it's a, I might go, I might go. I might go full Ken Woe on you people. That'd be, oh, no, that'd be a bummer. I would my never. Goodness. I would uh, never. South Side Sox alum uh, somehow Is he has, really? has some real issues now with the side. I can't really figure that out. Whenever I call him out on it, he says, oh, no, no, not you. I didn't mean you. It's like, well, okay, I know I'm not the side, but, you know, as a guy who tried to pay you and you didn't fill out your paperwork, you know, blah, 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 blah. I, anyway, oh, you know, God, God, God bless the meatheads bless out there. Yeah. gives us something to talk about derisively uh yeah so there seems to be some confidence among um a small portion of our south side Sox staff and perhaps also uh readership that craig kimbrell will not pitch for the white Sox, and somehow mm-hmm. along with that um, an inordinate amount of money will not have to be eaten to get him to not play for the white Sox. i don't see how both of those things possibly happen and at some point if you got to eat a lot of money i don't see why it should happen we're still talking about a guy um, about this hall of fame talk or whatever but i mean this is a guy who's a quality arm had a great two-thirds of a season with the cubs if he could be used properly which is a big if because of the guy who's running the show uh, but if he could be used properly or even less, given that the bullpen's bolstered, I don't see why mm-hmm. he couldn't be extremely effective rather than just dumping him and then getting to grumble because you had to eat, you know, like $8 million to do it. At some point, what is, what is the point of doing that? Given that he's like the, the linchpin at this point to either additional spending or like weakening your team. Um, what do you do with the guy? Do you think he is I mean, a guy I, it's best to keep him? We got, you're right. We, we did bolster the bullpen. I love Graveman. 
when, what's the timetable for Kelly, by the way? When's he back? I mean, he, to hear him talk, he's ready to go now. So, I mean, I think okay. this might be a precaution where it's like, hey, you know what? It's going to be some weird, like, feeling out the start of the season anyway. So let's think maybe he's ready to go May 1st. I don't think that's crazy to think he's ready to go, you know, pretty much first full month of the, uh, the season. Point being, there's plenty of other bullets in the chamber. And if we could roll Craig into a trade deadline with, like, 20 innings in a one ERA or something, then we're talking about at least maximizing whatever value he has now. Cause these talks with the A's that ship seems like a sail too, based on all the people that are jumping in on it. It's the yeah. ship has sailed. The ship has sailed in terms of us not eating Craig's contract. Yeah. Unless, I mean, do you, have you heard much about a deal with Cincinnati? I sort of saw that float across my timeline. At some point you wonder how much is just wish casting because it's like, well, you know, I mean, it's like when you're trying to like form these deals where we, we pack up a truck of junk and, and, and somehow get something back. I mean, uh, that seems to be, I mean, it's, I guess it's possible. I'm not sure why you, you do that. If you're, if you're actually trying to make, if you're actually getting stuff in return, I don't know why you'd necessarily turn your, your franchise. I mean, as much as they've already, in fact, they've already turned their franchise into a bit of a joke with what they're doing with the fire sale. I mean, that's, that's a whole different level of it. Um, and for Rick to, I mean, I'm sure he's sitting back saying, Hey, you know what? There are injuries. You get a contending team that loses a closer and okay. Now you might actually be able to say, you'll take the guy for nothing. You just to get him off the books uh, or you eat just a tiny bit. Maybe you even get somebody back in return. It's, it's a plausible scenario. Just by that time, who, who, are, who are you going to use that savings to pick up? I mean, Michael Comforto is not going to wait till May 1st to sign with the team because he's like, you know, I know the Sox are going to do it. They haven't done it yet, but I know they're going to do it. So I'm going to just wait. So at some point you've lost your opportunity to do something as if, and we don't even know if they're going to do something this money. We yeah, just are I mean, such hopeful fans. Like, you know, when they get that money and it's freed up, they're going to go get some guys. If you would have asked me a week ago, if we were going to fill right field, I would have said uh, with over 50% confidence for sure. Why wouldn't we? Now it's like, oh my God, dude, it's quickly, it, it, it's, it's, you know, you, nothing has happened, but everything has happened. Right. So it's, it's, um, I mean, who are the options beyond Castellanos? I know Jacques is off the board. Not uh, that, I don't, uh, um, Conforto. Conforto. I mean, Conforto and Castellanos. Yeah, Castellanos yes. And yeah, I mean, and, and the ding would be that one of those two guys can't, can't play right field. So right. really there's, there's really Conforto as an actual right fielder. And then, then at some point you're just like, well, we might as well throw Andrew Vaughn out there. I mean, I, it's, I guess the lineup's you know, good enough, Matt. You know, you Optimism. know what though? I do, I do think they'll give Micker or Micker, I'm sorry, Micker a look, right? It's time. What else are they going to do with him? Well, I don't know. They seem to be busy <laughs> tying up the roster spots with guys like, Hey, let's take that pin out. And let's talk about tying up a roster spot in some sort of weird kismet where it's like, Hey, you know, we paid Carlos Rodon 3 million last year and he almost won a side young. Hey, let's do it again and give him a roster spot, which I don't even believe. I don't remember if they, they guaranteed Rodon a roster spot. It might've been a major league contract. I think it might've been a minor league contract. So they are treating Vince Velasquez, a guy who's done nothing to earn such respect, quite a bit of respect when there were still maybe even actual other guys that could have been picked up or traded for. Now they further handcuff themselves with 3 million. Doesn't sound like much, but to the White Sox, I, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to give a very clear disclaimer. Last year, when they signed Rodon, I was not enthusiastic. Like many mm -hmm. smart people were, I feel like that was a pretty tough one to know that he was going to mm -hmm. come out and be uh, the fucking big unit. Mm -hmm. But 
I've wanted Quintana. <laughs> so yeah, I will, a lot of people I will did. say, yeah. I will say, as I sit here and comment on Velasquez, there's, there's a thousand different ways to be wrong about this. And I'm mm-hmm. sure when he signed, you thought the same thing that I did is that we're going to get a quote in two days about how Katz sees something in his mechanics that he wants to work with, right? Oh, he's done. So, he, oh, yeah. He was dying. He was dying to work with him. Dying. Okay. He's dying. Let's see. Let's see how that bears out. And you know what? Well, that, that's going to, prove as some cachet going forward in terms of just like are we willing to because listen if Rodon was the same type of project then he's earned himself some goodwill to to try to uh spend some more straw into gold with Velasquez I feel like so let's see how it goes I I got burned last year saying no Rodon yes Quintana Mm -hmm. so I guess I'm willing to at least wait this out and see See? this is the it could be Gio Gonzalez it could be Gio Gonzalez I'm sorry you're right you're about to say this is optimism but this is the optimism we're paying you the big bucks for because we desperately desperately need it um yeah I mean Carlos Rodon was a number three overall pick he has wasn't Velasquez kind of wasn't uh, Velasquez come some pedigree Second rounder, second rounder, okay. which is not nothing, which is not nothing. It's not. Oh, it, apparently it is nothing because we, we just punt them away when we don't give people qualifying offers. So it's no, maybe you could possibly <laughs> make true. the argument that it's nothing. I guess that's true. Forget his resume. Uh, forget the, the near perfect game. Uh, true. And, you know, listen, when we talked about Velasquez a week or so ago on the podcast, you know, cats. Uh, flying colors with what he did with Rodani. He identified the thing about it. I think his lower body corrected something right away. And, and if you recall, and I know you do, he was nails uh, for all of spring training. He was arguably their spring MVP. And then it became, okay, well, let, okay, well that plan the regular season. Okay. He led the team into the regular season. He led the team into first place. He put the team along with, you know, really the rest of the rotation early in the season on his back. The, and the, dragged them the reason first place. why we stayed afloat yeah, the reason why we stayed afloat when Eloy went down and then Louise went down was because of that starting pitching, and he was the anchor. If there's been a more dominant first half, the only one I could ever think of was maybe Esteban Loaiza's first half in 05, but it didn't have the strikeouts like that. No mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even not, given – Not 05, I'm sorry, 03. And when you give uh, catch credit for that, then you have to say, okay, Ronaldo Lopez, similar progress. We'll call that, we'll call that a push. Um, uh, Nick Turley, the reason we picked him up, he was dying to get his hands on, never made it up from uh, AAA last year. So it's not as if, and you know, okay, Dylan Cease, you could say, that's about a wash. He's about the progress you should make. Let's see what that next step is. A lot of people are super hyped on him taking a big step. I don't see how he's ever going to pitch that many pitches to take that next step because he's still not terribly efficient, but still very young. So Cats, you know, early returns, definitely optimistic, but it's by no means like a, like a Cats will fix something where it's like, no brainer, especially with a compressed spring training, a guy who is not going to be the open day starter, but is certainly going to be expected, presumably to function in some sort of maybe six man rotation, or at least play mm-hmm. some sort of thing. He has to play a significant role. He's on the roster. Can't emphasize that enough. He's guaranteed on the roster. Uh, and, you know, for those who say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dip in a toe in the water. They can just dump them. Well, you know, the white sex don't like to eat from, you know, it was sort of a miracle that they paid, Adam Eaton, $4 million to go away last year. So yeah, no, that was a miracle. That was totally unexpected. I'm trying to think of a, of a pitching example. I mean, they did, I, they walked away from guys that they totally could stick a fork in like Matt Latos and stuff like that. But uh, the I'm one trying to think Danks is the big one. He had a, what okay. a year or two left. And, you know, he was clearly, they tried to keep make working him in. He was 
just toast, toast, toast. And, you know, I, I think it was more like, well, we see the right on the wall and who knows what sort of side deals made where it's like, Hey, can we end up deferring that, you know, whatever 20 million was go, oh, we'll pay you till you're, till you're 70 or whatever. I don't know what the arrangement was, but yeah, that's, that's one. And that's like almost really literally the only one. Cause you're right. Like Lados and stuff. That's like, well, you know, okay. That's very, you know, it's nothing to get rid of urban Santana when you are paying them. Right. Dollars. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the commitments made, I think the, I think the, the laughable comment made at some point within staff on a podcast was if, if you had known the White Sox were going to pay, spend like $45 million this off season, but yet still not significantly past is that how much it rotation. Is? I think it's adding up to that with, with Graveman, Kelly. I mean, just, just Kelly and Harrison alone, that's $15 million, you know, committed. Um, so, you know, it's starting to, you know, add it starts to add up and you think, well, okay, how can you, you, you spend that much money and right field is still what it is. Second base is still what it is, even though I guess it's a little more plausible. That's a more minor position. And maybe there are actual candidates to fill who knows, maybe uh, uh, Romy Gonzalez takes even another step forward who, you know, who's to say what, what could happen there, but you know, you still got a rotation. That's, 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 that's where I I'm lost. Cause like there are so many variables and you don't want to have that many variables. And then the things that we're not even talking about Dallas, is probably not moving in the right direction as a pitcher in terms of his value. Lance is super not young and had another second half last year where we were trying to work in as much rest for him as we can. Mm-hmm. And listen, if we take those things from last year and roll in the next year and say we need to have a six-man rotation, then I'm all for it. But we, what's the plan here? Like, yeah. are we just hoping? Are we hoping that Kopech goes out and throws 150 innings because that? doesn't seem likely and that's not even you know that wouldn't even be the responsible move uh keiko we know good or bad they're not going to give him the 160 that automatically hasn't paid him carlos rodan money for next season because that's what his kicker is he gets 160 innings because they gave him what did they give him last last year they gave him like 160 well they could have even pulled it back <laughs> last year and they didn't because it has to be one of these two seasons and they gave it to him last year then it could have been like easy maybe if he caught fire then you hey yeah you let him throw his 200 and you there's been some strange deference to him as not just a player but also as like a figure like where he came in it's just like all right we got a leader now it's like i don't think that's how clubhouses work but uh okay well it worked it sort of worked that one time it seemed like people at least um belatedly embraced it like the james mccann's and that you know you know did we're sort of like on a side and tim anderson was sort of like yeah, I guess. And, you know, because they worked out. Very agreeable guys. Very yeah. agreeable guys. Those and because two. it worked out, it's easy for them to be like, oh, yeah, he really changed the course of the season. You know, Ricky Renner was like, what is this guy? You know, he's not supposed to be, I'm, you know, I'm the manager. What's going on? But, yeah, pretty much ever since, like two, three times since, it's been more like the immediate eye roll of, okay, what's this cranky guy talking about how the defensive position is wrong yes, or you know, whatever. Say, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I can I mean, see that's, that that's a whole. Thin. Yeah, that's a whole different issue. And, we'll, we, I mean, we're stuck with him. And I, I, we'll give him as many innings as he can pitch, apparently. <laughs> Might have no choice. But, boy, if they give him 161 to kick in another 20-something million the next year, if he has this, you know, whatever, five ERA, I mean, again, that's uh, that's that's some real can, negligence. Can he can he, fi- can he file any sort of grievance though? If uh, if there's any case to be made that we're scaling him back from that threshold? Well, first of all, he's a guy who doesn't seem like he can go like five innings to start. I mean, what's the quick math? Uh, 150 innings, you get 30 starts at five innings. So he might just do that work f- for us if he's getting that deep in the games to push this. Well, yeah. then I guess you're okay, sort of yeah, maybe maybe there's, maybe there's yeah maybe there's maybe it's worth it. Exactly. I'm guessing the uh, the uh, 
the Hall of Fame manager can find a way to manipulate that in a way that there's hopefully, well, no, actually, I take that back. There probably will be written memos stating that they're not going to give him the innings so that the White Sox will be busted because that's sort of how Tony rolls. But uh, hey, here's a question. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I got got one for you after this. Okay. Well, my question was, uh, speaking of Tony, um, I've asked this on a few podcasts. I'll ask you as well. (laughs) This is a real test of your optimism. Will you be enjoying the 2022 Chicago White Sox because of or in spite of Tony La Russa? Yeah, so I think Tommy Barbie made a uh, – that's how I pronounce his name, right? Barbie? Yes, it is Okay, Barbie. so he, he made, he made uh, a very – I mean, it was lobbed over the plate. But he said, <laughs> he said the more pitching decisions that Tony La Russa has to make, more likely I'm to be disappointed. I don't, that's clearly not verbatim, but it seems like with all these pitching variables within the staff and the bullpen and Craig and, and Dallas's innings and all that, as he is going to be very heavy handed with that staff. And uh, yeah, sorry. No, I know he revolutionized the concept <laughs> of the bullpen and whatnot. If last year was any indicator, I, I mean, I, he didn't have it seem to have it figured out by the playoffs to me, um, which was kind no. of why we I fired Rick Renteria. Worse. Yeah, which is why, I mean, yeah, it, it seemed, and, and for what it's worth, I like Ricky, but it was very obvious after that game three in Oakland that, uh, I'm sorry, game, was that game four in Oakland? Game three? Did we get swept? Game three. No, we didn't get swept. No. It was just a three-game series. So. Oh, right. Of course. It was very clear that he had to go after that, and it was largely because he had no idea how to handle a staff. I I did saw no improvement whatsoever last year. So I am listen, the 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 pro Tony folks can wave the W last year, okay? He pulled that team and I and I it's a conversation I've had a million times exactly how much a manager impacts a club over the course of a season. And I think it, as long as you don't overmanage the the most important job you have is to keep your clubhouse together and those guys definitely ride for Tony. No doubt about it. Yerman, nonwithstanding, because <laughs> I don't know who's riding with Yerman at this point. But I, I have to give credit to Tony in some respects, but as it relates to on-field strategy, I remember a lot more misses than hits last year. Is that is that fair to say? Well, you know, Matt, I understand, you know, you just uh, moved into our uh, LA field office. You're, you're sort of getting used to the environs, you know, you're, you're claiming your, your, your desk, you're learning the code to get into the building and all that. So, you know, it's new. you'll uh, be relieved to know that um, your uh, gracious and ever humble host has developed uh, a, a metric and we call it, I call it, nobody else pays any attention to it and gives it any respect. So I'm going to just go out on a limb all by my own managerial war. It takes into account a wow. few factors, but I will tell you that Tony LaRusso's managerial war last year was awful. Uh, he cost the team a good four to five wins by this. And I know it doesn't mean anything. And people probably already typing comments. The podcast isn't even over. They're typing comments angry at me about this made up thing. But the truth is, uh, what do you have to know? I mean, do you think that in Liam Hendricks's Christmas card to Tony this year, he said, hey, Tony, in the playoffs, how about I pitch when it matters instead of in the ninth inning of blowout games? I'm your best pitcher. I have 
shown a willingness to pitch even two plus innings when it's crunch time. That's a pretty long message and it really defeats the, the uh, spirit <laughs> of a Christmas card. But I hope that is what he sent from Australia. And Tony's probably just getting it now and reading. And he says, oh, that's right. I have Liam Hendricks, one of the most electrifying arms in the game at my disposal, a guy who's willing to pitch in the second inning if need be. Maybe I'll use him differently this year. Yeah, he failed badly. If you want to ding Ricky, and I would, I would, I would push against you for that whole game three reaction, although okay, it did not look good because he did not have much to recall 2020 White Sox had Dallas Keuchel, believe it or not, Cy Young contender Dallas Keuchel and Lucas Giolito, who had that whatever perfect five or six innings in game one. And then he had nothing again, not defending them yeah. because it wasn't I a, given, I would have given, I would have given Dane a little more leash, but, but, but by oh, all no. means, I hear what you sure. And you know, he's, he's, he's doubled over in the dugout, which I'm sure is just like he wants to be in the game, but he looks a little silly and no argument <laughs> there, no argument there. And listen, the truth is after 15 years of calling up uh, uh, Tony uh, and saying, Hey, Tony, want to come back? Hey, Tony, want to come back? Hey, Tony, want to come back? Finally, uh, apparently in, in 2020, he said, Hey, you know what, Jerry, God, I'm really old and I'm sort of battling this legal situation that we're not going to tell anybody. About. But you know what? I do want to come back, maybe to distract from that legal problem. Uh, and, you know, and so, yeah, then it's, uh, then they, they go to Ricky and say, Hey, remember when we hired you? And we said, the one reason for sure you would go is because we're going to hire Tony because he wants to come back. And Rick goes, God, I don't remember that, but okay. If I sign the paper, okay. Oh, and they you said, think he's gonna? You think he's gonna get another job? No, no. You think no. he's done? He's out of I baseball. Mean, I think. Well, I mean, first of all, I think he's going to enjoy the additional pay the White Sox are going to give him because you know you'll remember that they extended him like very recently. So I mean, he's got years still to be paid. Oh, good. Um, uh, yeah, so he, yeah, I think he's okay. He's 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 going to be rolling in ceviche for for years. Uh, years I don't think he's a terrible play. manager, for what no. it's worth. We've no, had I, worse managers than Ricky, I, and I think he got better. Unlike maybe Rob Ram Ram you might say. I mean, you can't argue with this first season, although the way they went out in 2012 was pretty ugly. But I mean, listen, what he was doing, shadow ball stuff. I mean, the camaraderie. I mean, you know, he clicked in a way that Ozzy was not clicking with his team. So okay. Uh, yeah, I think I, I would argue that Ricky got better. Good enough? Don't know. Uh, and arguably had the, um, the, the camaraderie and I guess to some degree respect, despite the fact now apparently Tim Anderson is best friends with Tony. They're like room together or whatever. I mean, you know. That's how what I'm saying, man. There's, there, there's so many there. Yeah, there's so much context that we're made sort of passively aware of. And I really think that that plays a huge part in the role of a manager and the value of a manager. Um, just, you know, having grown up playing and obviously I didn't play at this level or anything close to it, but the best manager is the one that just kept everybody level-headed, kept composure, kept focused, less so than, you know, calling the right, uh, you know, bunt rotations and shit like that. Yeah. So, although I do, I, I do think Tony screws up a large, a large portion of that stuff. I mean, it was sort of objective. I mean, he put in Liam Hendricks to pinch run. What do you want to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not knowing a rule. Which you get. And you know, listen here, let's, you know, we spent a lot of time with Tony and I'm not happy that Tony LaRusse is our manager. Uh, nothing really can happen to change. I think a win the World Series, it's still not the right move for them to do. But that said, 
We had a number of times last year, including what you just cited, some, some, some rule mishaps, some not knowing how much time you had or whether you could um, uh, question or instant replay, challenge a play. There was the time where I thought it was all going to fall apart like in May when Giolito threw under the bus because he's like, everybody knew I was gassed. He left me mm-hmm. out there and I think like, I ended up losing that game. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, hold on. Ethan Katz, another guy. Ethan Katz went out to talk to Giolito. Grandal went out to talk to Giolito. I mean, I get that maybe when it doesn't work out, you want to be like, yeah, Tony's over there and he's just, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's belching, he's cussing. We don't, you know, we don't want to be around him at that time. So it's not my fault, but there are things that fall on Tony the way they should. He's the manager, but fall on Tony that, you know, there was room to spread around some blame in some of these most glaring things. Like you send once Liam Hendricks starts trying out with the helmet, I know he wants to play. He, on photo day, he's always got a bat and a helmet. He oh, wants yeah. to actually He'll say play. yes. If you ask him, he'll but say yes. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> just say, you know, time out, run out there and say, hey, no, Liam, we just spent a lot of money for you to close. We do not want you sliding, hit by a, I mean, I don't care what you want to do. Get off the field. We're sending Jose out, you know. In fact, when the, when the umpire, when you call in the switch and the umpire looks at you like, what do you want to do? Is that what That's when you go, no, I don't think, uh, I, I hope it did. But when they pause and say, okay, let me get this straight. That's when you go, oh, well, well wait, wait, wait. And somebody, hopefully in a dugout can say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't got to do that to me. Uh, so there was sort of a, at some point, Rick Khan should be on a phone. He's got to have some bat phone down to the dugout to say, what are oh, you doing? I, I mean, <laughs> at least a half dozen times I, I thought last year, like, might the front office send somebody a text or something? Cause this is a little bit, um, you know, over the edge, but I, I, you know what devil's advocate. Okay. That dude lost a bunch of ball players, Nick magical, Luis, Robert, Eloy, Grandal. The arms stayed crazy healthy for the most part, other than Rodon breaking down, which was very predictable, but uh, you know what? They want a division, a hapless division. And then actually parlays into my, the question that I had for you. Okay. Because I don't, a lot has happened in the last week, uh, not so much for us, but maybe around the league. <laughs> How much movement have you seen in the AL Central to say where our stand? I, listen, I understand I, our standing is presumably still head and shoulders above the rest, but is the AL Central moving in a direction that's at all worrisome? Worrisome, I don't know, but I think it's, I mean, it couldn't get, the gap couldn't have really been bigger. I mean, you're talking about like 1983 White Sox winning the division by whatever, 20-something games, which, you know, it's just not going to happen. And last year it was like a dozen games. I mean, that's not going to be repeated. Um, Minnesota can't be worse. They'll be better. They might not be that good. They'll be better. Kansas City will be a touch better. I mean, another year from now, when this when the schedule's balanced, it's not gonna, these these questions aren't even going to maybe matter as much because you're not going to have so much head to head to either feast or get you know uh, victimized by. Um, Detroit is better. I mean, all these teams are better now. Does that mean they're gonna so they're gonna lose the division by six or seven games? Yeah, probably. But I don't think there's any question. It, it's tighter. Yeah, it is tighter, especially because the White Sox haven't. They've 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 held. I asked not in I asked not so much in relation to our chances in winning the division. It seems like we're clear favorites to win the division. But when I think about guys like Joe Kelly or guys like Craig Kimbrell, who we if we can spin it and we got the plenty of arms to do it, throw him out there for cushy innings so that his value come deadline time is 
is, is a little bit more bolstered. You know, are there last year, there were plenty of cushy innings to be had, not only in the AL central, but the NL central too. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think of it in terms of total landscape here. And it does seem like in the back of my head, as much as I pushed it out of my purview, like well, it seems like the AL central is getting a little bit better and Detroit has guys coming up. Yep. Uh, and Tony is probably not going to go for your um, let's milk the situation, um, you know, circumstances, you know, he, if anything, you know, again, citing Zach's piece, he threw Kimber out there too, because that's what, that's what he's supposed to do. Right. He's supposed, he's going to be my eighth inning guy. He's going to be out there in eighth inning, you know, every time I need him, not paying any attention to the fact that hopefully Shelly Duncan, who's like, was hired to be like, well, some metrics guy up, up in the sky, who knows if he did that, presumably was sending a memo at some point saying, Tony, that's, that's not going to do it. His arm is 30 something years old. He can throw the hell out of the ball, but he can't do it back to back to, you know, sometimes even back to back to back anymore. Rain that in and you're going to get the guy that you thought <laughs> when you demanded <laughs> you trade for him, you're going to get the guy you thought you were getting instead of this slop that we're going to want that we all assume is not going to be with the team the next year <laughs> until Rick Hahn, uh snatches defeat from so- the jaws of victory and related to that here's another question how how concerned are you about nick madrigal's season because i am terrified playing like well for the cubs real well he uh, went, dude, he he found he found a little bit of uh i don't know if they were working with him to engage his lower half more but he was finding some pop there before he went down well the before he went down part is real key there i mean he's you know i mean again we'd have to ding uh Luis totally the same way totally true you know, by yep. saying hey these guys can't play full seasons um you know nick mm-hmm. being a smaller guy um, and this is certainly not to bury a guy as we, you know, kick him across town. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to perform in a way that justifies his, his, his draft slot. Uh, I always said that if he could be Scott Fletcher, which sounds like a joke, but Scott Fletcher actually had a pretty prodigious, uh, uh war career, maybe not even so much with the White Sox or the Red Sox. He had some big years. Uh, I think with the Rangers, he had some big years. If he could be that, I think you'd have to be extremely pleased. I don't think I'm even worried that's going to happen. Now, granted, you can't do anything but lose this trade. I mean, there's no way to win yeah. this trade. Um, so, I mean, that, but I mean, that's gone. You know, you went for it. You went for it in a way that seemed reasonable, especially for just the 2020 season or 2021 season, because Madrigal wasn't coming back. Um, you know, you need, Hoyer was, you know, he was scuffling, even though he seemed to wake up when he got to the North side. Um, so, you know, that was, that, that's already a loss. That's a, you know, it's a forever loss in trade. And, you know, you just got to say that's, you know, that's what happens when you're going for it. Uh, but as no, much I'm not as too I wanna, worried. All right. As much as I want to project positivity, uh, you know, in my everyday <laughs> life and also here in my role on the site, I, I do get a little petty when it comes to the Cubs. And I'm just, I'm terrified that he's going to be like Mr. Cub. Oh, trust me. Um, you know, I'm going to be standing right beside you when it comes to petty Cubs. There are a number of people on the site who are like, man, what's, you know, what's about, who cares? We're past that. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not past that. I'm never going to be it past is, that. I want them is. below ground before I'm even going to ease up. I'm sorry. It was delightful that they won five of six and destroyed them basically in the process. And I want the same thing. I'm, I was happy they won two utterly, completely top to bottom meaningless games yesterday because if they had been losses it would have just to whatever degree irritated me just enough so <laughs> i'm right there with you again they could not be especially now given the continued smugness in the fan base the ownership of the team which makes jay oh, reinsdorf look as, like as, santa claus <laughs> um yeah so they, they 
yeah, six, um, six feet under really isn't far down enough for me. So yeah, I'm not going to ease up. But no, do I want to see Nick Madrigal be the guy that, you know, I mean, listen, the guy seems super sweet. I want him to have a, a great career. Am I afraid he's going to blow up more than we already know he's going to, because he's going to play for the team, which means he's not going to be a negative player. So, I mean, we're going to get burned by this trade, but burned like, oh my God, this is uh, whatever. This is, a so this is the John Garland trade. I'm not too worried about it being that dramatic. Fair enough. I felt, I felt like he was also within our fan base, a bit of a poster boy for a different type of fan. Right. Um, and it's the type of fan that maybe we find ourselves at odds with a little bit. The ones that, that see perhaps more value in a single than a walk. Um, and listen, I, 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 it, my heart breaks for those fans because, like, my dad is one of those fans. He loved Mc, Nick Magical. Any way that Nick Magical could get on base was Nick Magical uh, exhibiting his genius to my father. And I feel like there's a lot of people like that. And I feel like on this roster, who's, who do they got now? Nick, Tim? Ma- Nick Magical is the patron saint of White Sox dad fans everywhere, top <laughs> to bottom. I defy you to find a White Sox dad fan who doesn't put, didn't put Nick Madrigal top three, probably right on top, top three players uh, complete for a, a variety of reasons. Yeah. Among them that, that inherent grindiness. Oh, heck yeah, man. We should do uh not to like turn our website into Buzzfeed or some shit, but <laughs> the, the top dad Sox players of all time, that'd be a, that'd be a hell of a discussion. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, that's we something had, Dan, we had Darren Erstad at one point, if you remember him. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Uh, yes. If he could just punted the ball for us, he would have been good college punter, you know, um, uh, that is something I'm going to tell you now, as we're starting to roll the credits on this podcast, Matt, I'm going to say that is something to workshop out in the Los Angeles, the Southside Sox Los Angeles office now burgeoning at three members, uh, you guys are actually going to have to wear your photo IDs now because we're not going to be able to necessarily tell you apart. The eye in the sky is going to need to identify each of you. But Will Allen, uh, one of your colleagues there, uh, wrote a number of very humorous pieces, um, uh, which falls right in line with that suggestion. Um, one of the ones I liked the most, speaking of Cubs, was the typical, you'll recall from the, the, the Tribune era, they probably still do it where they do their like, here comes across town. So let's compare each team position by position. And, you know, they make cases for both. Well, as you might see where this is going, and believe me, even though I knew the joke about the second position right up, I laughed hard at every position because of course, Will saw every position being a White Sox match. Yeah, and, you well. know, in reality, probably wasn't the case. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think all time, yeah, all time, um, White Sox. Dad favorites. Um, you know, I think you've just given yourself the assignment. Um, All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll workshop that. You know, way, way to talk yourself into that one. But sorry, hey, you got some free time. You know, you know. I have a dad. And you know what? I have a dad, so I really just need to call him and be like, give me a top five, homie. Oh yeah, you can, you can. Pull, I mean, believe me, we've had writers pulling, you know, just text, you know, verbatim from dad conversation. So believe me, you know, it's all fair game. And if he's angry uh, later. We'll give him a free subscription to Southside Sox. No problem. <laughs> hey, oh, by the way, we don't, we don't need to do that. By the way, everybody, it is free. And, you know, we love the fact that you enjoy Southside Sox so very much. And I'm sure you're very thrilled to know that we have a true optimist here. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Don't take it to the bank because just he's going to zag when you think he's going to zig. Trust me. Uh, it's Optimist Sox, a.k.a. Matt. He is with us on staff now. Get to know him a little bit better. We didn't cover everything in the Meet the Players, so read that up as well. 
listen and re-listen, then go over and watch on YouTube and then come back and listen to the podcast. Oh yeah, I know this is a long one. This might be historically long, but you know, Matt, I got to say, he is still working off the fumes of that very exciting Illini. I'm buzzing, baby. So I'm you buzzing. You got to give him that. You got to give him that. I mean, we, I thought we were going to have to cancel this thing. I thought it was going to happen. No, it would have been just, hilarious if we talked with me just completely strained. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a- I mean, I was ready to do it, man. I was not going to cancel. So by all means, I, uh, I don't know that we've had crying on a podcast yet. So, I mean, it might have been worth Well, Hey, listen, let's, let's speak of putting a pin. Hey, next round, let's make sure we talk after that game. Yeah, right. Because now I sort of want it to happen. We got a game Sunday. You might find me real sad. I can keep it open for you. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Let's keep that slot open. Uh, otherwise, thanks everybody for, uh, as always, uh, listening, reading, watching without you. We're not here. Thanks to SB Nation for graciously allowing us to uh, put together these long podcasts to help them sell product and make a lot of money. God bless you, SBN. God bless you, Vox LLC conglomerate. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we could talk forever, but, you know, talking forever means we're going to bump into other podcasts that we got to do. So, you know, come back real soon and let's, uh, let's chat on some more stuff because this has been a lot of fun. Had a blast, man. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And, you know, again, as I always tell you, but it's always true. We're going to have another podcast for you sooner than you're ready for it. So till then, take care.